Welcome to more than a few words of marketing podcast for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today, we're kind of going back to some of my roots. I'm a little bit old school PR, and even though today I do more internet and social media, I do have some roots in old school, and I couldn't think of a better person to invite on. Um, many of you know her by her Twitter handle, Jen Rainey. Jen, why don't you introduce yourself, tell folks who you are and what you do. Well, hello. My name is Jennifer Ringy, and I am an account executive at Bolson PR. So I handle a lot of traditional PR accounts, and um, for those accounts, I do a lot of traditional media relations work. Um, local clients, you know, um, the Indianapolis Food Swap that just got started, so doing some local outreach for that. Masala Bhangra is a new Indian-style fitness dancing, so some more local publicity. Um, do a lot of national book publicity for one of our main uh, clients, Author Solutions, um, and a few other uh, smaller clients doing some um, pre-production movie publicity along with, um, in the hopper, we have some consumer product media relations that I'll be doing for a new hat company and also a new iPod, uh, iPad case company. So a little mix of everything in terms of media publicity. Awesome. Well, we are so glad that, that you'd actually call in on your vacation. For those of you that don't know, you can all be very jealous because Jen is hanging out in the sunshine of Florida while Alice and Joe and I are hanging out here. Um, Allison, say hello this morning. Morning, everybody. Glad to be here with the goddess of PR, Jen Rainey herself. Hi, you, you, are, you are our hero right now, and we're going to be talking more about heroes in a minute, but I also want to introduce the new kid at Roundpeg. Joe is, uh, well, Joe, you tell the folks about yourself. Sure. I uh, just graduated back in May, joining for my first uh, blog talk radio post. I'm uh, really excited about it. This is my, my second day here at Roundtable. Couldn't be more excited to uh, to join as an account executive. And he hasn't run out screaming from the building yet, Jen. I have not. <laughs> the reason that um, we actually had Joe sit in is um, besides the fact that he's new to the um, new to the team, he has a PR background as well. So I thought he might have some fun questions. But I'm going to dive right in and start with the conversation about heroes because. I think right now that's a topic a lot of people are talking about, a lot of reflection on 9-11. And you've got some cool clients that you're doing some PR work for that um, have connections to 9-11. Yes. Um, in terms of book publicity, I have some really great stories. Um, one is uh, By the Grace of God by Jean Potter. And her story is a little different because she was a 9-11 survivor. She was on the 81st floor of the North Tower but her husband was also a first responder firefighter, so that makes their story just that much more remarkable. And um, so she she put out a book by the grace of God, just outlining her story and how their lives have changed since the attacks. As you're trying to kind of promote and and get um, get that story out there, how do you develop a PR plan to to promote it but still be sensitive? Because this is a tough issue, I think, for a lot of people. You know, when I'm developing my plan for pitching the media, it's just it's not so much spraying the story to everyone that might pick it up or might be interested in the story because I think people see through that. People say you're pitching the story to mass amounts of people in terms of just getting publicity, and that's when you read this 
you read the story of sensitivity and also, you know, as a publicist, I have to keep that in mind. Like, their story is, you know, very emotional and very sensitive to the author. Um, so when doing that plan, I have to really make targeted lists to make sure I'm approaching the people that are going to put her light, her story in a positive light, a relevant light, and be sensitive to just the the emotions of the story and you know so when putting that PR plan together my focus was New York media um, you know pulling out 9-11 writers because a ton of writers across the country are doing 9-11 pieces so just making sure I'm contacting the right media to tell her story in the right way. Cool um, and what kind of success have you had you know where where are you getting her placement? Mm-hmm. Well, Jean was, uh, she not only had this amazing national story, you know, that a lot of people can relate to because of the attacks, but she also um, she also brought in the Christian approach, you know, by the grace of God. And so um, she was covered on numerous Christian radio stations across the country and also national national news radio like ABC and CBS. Um, she also picked up some television uh, television segments out of New York. She was on NBC Weekend Today. Um, Reuters television interviewed her at Ground Zero, um, and they did like a walkthrough, and they, you know, traced her steps from the World Trade Center and um, where she uh, escaped to after, you know, the, the collapse. So, um, she's kind of got a range, but it was mostly the national news outlets and the Christian uh, broadcasting stations that really had interest in Jean. Cool. That's incredibly impressive. But when you're dealing with a story like this that you know is going to have the most impact centered around a certain date, in this case 9-11, how far in advance did you start planning this campaign? Sure. For this campaign in particular, we started about... 10 weeks prior to 9-11. And I found that it was pretty successful because it was just in the time where reporters are starting to develop story ideas or put together special 9-11 segments. Um, you know, a lot of the interviews are were taped prior, and they'll start to run this week or Friday or Saturday or Sunday. And so I think... In terms of um, the pre-recorded and taped interviews, uh, I think 10 weeks out was a great idea. There are still radio interviews and that are going to be live, you know, coming closer to 9-11. But um, about 10 weeks out was actually pretty the sweet spot for Dean. Wow, so some, some pretty big lead time there. So when you're getting these, these authors ready to go on, on these big national shows like Weekend Today and on, on nationally syndicated radio shows, how do you get them ready? What do you tell them that they need to know before they, they step onto such a big stage? Sure. Up front, it's really a lot about details and logistics, supplying the um, you know interviewees with the background of the radio show, the, you know, basic topics that they generally speak to, um, information about the host, and just general background information about that outlet. And, you know, you have to find out how long the interview is going to be, what questions are they going to ask, 
um, if it's broadcast television, if they need Jean to be in certain attire or if they needed Dan, her husband, to be in his uniform. So it's up front, it's a lot of logistical work that I don't think a lot of people realize because, you know, before I had to coordinate all these interviews and um, I didn't realize it was so much upfront work in terms of scheduling these interviews and getting all the details down, but um, just making sure that, you know, Jean is in the know about the outlet, how long the interview will be, the main topic, you know, where the interview is going to go. Um, and then luckily they can they have a story they can speak to, so I don't really have to give them many talking points. They can just tell the story, and so that's that's been a delight. Awesome. Okay, let me switch gears a little bit because, I mean, these, you know, these are kind of the, you know, the big stories. But a lot of our listeners are smaller businesses, and they may have smaller stories. Um, when you've got a client that has an interesting but maybe not a time-sensitive story or a smaller story, how do you go about building a media plan for that audience? Right. And, well, here three different tactics I use with the media when there there really isn't a timely event like 9-11. Um, you, you have to tie in uh, with current events. So, for instance, um, I'm referencing my book again. One of my books is called Civil Rights Journey. So I, was, I would tie that into the MLK Memorial that happened, you know, at the end of end of August and, you know, the, the controversy surrounding that. Um, so tied into current events, you can also create a story idea for the media. And I think, um, you know, that's very successful, and a lot of media relations professionals don't necessarily think to create a story for them in the pitch. Um, so the less work they have to do, we are here to make their jobs easier. Um, so creating a story idea um that they can run with. Uh, for instance, when I worked at Boss Media, we had we did a lot of consumer product media relations. So, I iPhone, iPad cases. I worked with a headwear apparel company. Um, and so, you know, for instance, the story idea would be Valentine gifts for your teenage honey, and then you pitch that to Teen Interest Mag. So, creating a story for the media also, you know, helps get placement. And the third one is reactive pitching to a prior story. So if you, for instance, say um, the indie woman covered Paloxing in a recent issue, so I would contact that editor and present uh, Suzanne um, Kroyak's story to her about bringing Masala Bangra, the Indian-style fitness class, to Indy because I know that the editor is interested in fitness and um, has covered a story like that, you know, prior. So um, you've already got a leg in because you know that, you know, that's something that's interesting to her. So, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things you're talking about is the fact that you, you have to do some research. You can't, you're not going to be successful if you throw it out there. Yeah, you absolutely have to do background research, and you can't just go out there and pitch a story without, um, you know, researching the outlet, researching prior stories, and also the editor, um, because you have to you have to offer them a takeaway. You can't just present them with your product or your story or your client. You have to offer them some sort of takeaway or some sort of foundation to build a story, whether it's 
um, offering a book to review or, you know, providing a story idea such as, you know, a gift guide for your honey for Valentine's Day or presenting them with YouTube videos or websites or biographies to build that story. So you have to offer takeaways in your pitch. So in working with office solutions, you know, I, I know you you pitch to a lot of different media markets, you know, some of those being various local markets and then and then uh, the national media market. How do you vary your pitch to those different markets or, or do you at all? Do you use the same pitch? Oh no, we'll absolutely vary the pitches. Um in terms of the the media work I do, just my national pitch pitches are more how do I say this there I mean they're very targeted in the approach I'm taking, but it can be generalized to the nation you know if I'm making targeted outreach to new york city i will I will definitely put emphasis on that within the pitch. But usually when I'm pitching locally, it's very it's for a very specific reason. You know, so if I'm pitching um New Zealand for the indie food swap, um obviously it's indie, indie, indie in that pitch. So that's how I, you know, formulate that pitch to local audiences. But for a gene story, it's a it's it's just a national news story that so many people across the US are going to be interested in. So you just have to have more of a, a general approach to those sort of pitches. You know, you had a blog post recently um, talking about the ROI of relationships. And um, I would imagine in your business that that's absolutely critical. you want to talk a little bit about how you develop some of these PR relationships? Of course. I am huge on relationships. And I, you know, I've been at Bolson for about eight months now. So um, I'm I'm starting to build relationships with new reporters and editors. You know, at Blast, I had started to build with those niche reporters and editors, but um, it's making me very excited to develop these relationships here um, because once you build a relationship with editors, it just makes the, the process seamless, and you become much more comfortable working with that editor, and the conversation is much more fluid and, you know, I give them what they want, they give me what we, I want, and I have absolutely no problem going back to them in a few months when I have another story idea for them because, you know, they trust my work ethic. Um, and to have a reporter say that I've been great to work with is just means everything. Um, so establishing a relationship with a reporter is is absolutely necessary to me, and I am more of that warm, fuzzy you know, I'm going to be laid back and relaxed in my email because they're people too, you know what I mean? I don't want to be straight up and professional and, you know, really, um, you know, you know what I mean, just hard-hitting. Like I'm, I'm more of the, the casual correspondence type of person. I think that really wins over editors more so. Well, it's funny that you say that. We actually just got a comment from uh, one of our longtime listeners, Drew Larison. Always good to hear from you, Drew. He says, wow, she sounds like a real-life Mad Men character. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, I think, right? <laughs> so, so we're going to have to get you the wardrobe to go with the title. I love those things. <laughs> Seriously, though, you know, when you're talking about relationships, and that's one of the things I think we do – 
a lot of PR very, very locally. And I have two or three editors, you know, I routinely sit down because because our focus is so local, that I routinely sit down and I have coffee with, and the conversation is very two-way. What stories are you working on? And especially when they're studying local business trends, it's always, well, do you know a business that does X, Y, or Z? And I can reach into my list and go, yeah, I know somebody that does that. And then in return, I can pitch two or three interesting things that some of my clients and friends are doing. Um, I wouldn't have the ability to get those stories placed if those weren't relationships that have been cultivated over years. Right. So you ever social media either to, to reach out and pitch reporters or just to keep those relationships intact? Or do you tend to go the more old school route with sending books and other products and calling and emailing? Uh, the majority of my work has been more of the old school work with, um, you know, picking up the phone and emailing and, you know, sending um, books or products through, through, through mail and doing follow-ups. But, you know, as the, the social media world just you know, explodes. Um, I I will start following reporters that have requested books or products. Um, you know, local indie reporters too, and just you know, giving them a shout out. Um, one of my authors was um, with uh, he interviewed with Dan Ribby with CBS World News, and so I started following the World News and Dan Ribby on Twitter, and just was like, hey, Dan, thanks for the interview. It was a great piece. And so, and that's part of the the relationship building that I love to do. So, in terms of pitching the media, I have not used um, social media for that just yet, just because personally I'm more comfortable with the email and the phone approach than social media, just getting the story out there. But as follow-ups and just like continual, you know, relationship touch bases, I think social media is key for that. Now, sticking along the lines of traditional PR, and I'm sure you expected the question. What is what is your your thoughts on the role of of the traditional press release and your guys' pitch style at Bolton? Does it have a place? Has it been thrown out the door? Where are you at? We do we do uh, still draft press releases. Um, I think press releases are a great supplemental tool. I don't think they should be used for proactive pitching. Uh, I really think that you have to draft your pitches to be personal and relevant and press releases aren't those necessarily. Um, So personally, I like to use them as supplements if they want more factual information about the client or the book or the product. I will supply that as, you know, an additional document for more information. But in terms of pitching the media, I 100% would choose a personalized pitch over the, the general press release. What give us an example of a time that you would use a press release? Um, uh, I think press releases for let's say event publicity, uh, you know, might be a great way to use a press release, just because it's it's more factual and it's more of the announcement. Um, for instance, I'm working on the most beautiful eyes campaign for Prevent Blindness Indiana. So I drafted a press release just announcing the the contest to the state. It's a statewide contest. So I think that might be a good use of a press release just because it's more factual and it's a contest. You know what I mean? You can make relevant story angles to um, hometown locations. So, for instance, past winners, you can angle the pitch saying, um, Abby Smith, winner of last year's Most Beautiful Eyes contest, um, you know, has – 
re-entered the contest, put this on your community calendar for, you know, citizens of Muncie to vote for. So you can angle pitches still for the contest, but I think in general, the general awareness um, for event type things, a press release would work. So um, do you guys use, um, for, for, the, for the press releases, for the more last kind of things, do you use or endorse using any of the big online PR webs, you know, uh, PR.com, or do you guys tend to stay away from it? What's your feeling on those? I generally, I don't use um, those newswire services. I, I think a lot of people do, and I, you know, I, I think they're great tools. But as a company, sometimes, you know, at Blast Media, we would, we would use, you know, PR Newswire as uh, an additional pitching tool for our clients, or they would request something like that. But those tools also cost money. Um, you know, you can get into the thousands of dollars to release a press release. Um, so I just take more of the organic approach in finding those email addresses and using our online databases to pull uh, contacts to make outreach, you know, more of the personal sense too, because I think that stories stories are more likely to develop from the outreach rather than just a general posting of a press release to the to the internet. I definitely agree with you, but I think it is worth pointing out that those um, those newswires can be a great tool for SEO. I'm not sure that they're the most effective public relations tool, but getting those credible links um, can really help move you up the search rankings. And if, if your company has a huge announcement, you know, like it's being bought out by another company, um, yeah, PR Newswire is a great way to get that word out there. And people are more likely to pick up those kind of press releases and um, post verbatim to their news sites. But if you're trying to get more of a, a story out of it, then I think, you know, the personal approach is so much better. I, I think I think you you've really helped people kind of see the separation between the two. So we have a few more minutes. Um, favorite success story of all the things of all the stories that you pitched or done. What was the most interesting or the most fun? Honestly, I it's so hard. Um, the what I'm doing now for one of my 9/11 authors really really has me amped. It really has me pumped. Just coordinating logistics for getting him into New York, into DC to do these T V interviews, you know, with big name producers and or anchors, um, you know, Chris Matthews and Thomas Roberts and um I just I love the coordination of it all and so just having that opportunity paired with that success, it, it's really my livelihood. Um, but, uh, you know, in the past, my past positions, working working with my favorite client and just getting them placed in the magazines that they want to be placed in and just making the client happy, too, I think there's no greater story than that. And, you know, touching back to my, you know, the ROI of a relationship, um, being embedded in their culture and um, taking that, producing a story and really – amplifying their culture and their industry and, you know, where the company is going and actually getting publicity for the product in the top-tier magazines that the client wants. And that's just – that's that's an awesome, awesome feeling, too. So, I mean, really just working working my butt off to get these top-tier requests. <laughs> and it's just – it's 
I mean, it's just an amazing feeling, and pers- that personal success is just everything, you know? I'll tell you what, there is nothing better than opening a newspaper or flipping on a TV and seeing a story about a client and knowing, just knowing that that story <laughs> is there something you get. You're right. Well, feel well trust me to be a buzzkill, but... Uh, <laughs> Walking down kind of an alternate passage, there's been some, some buzz on Twitter today about a new article that came out that said most PR students think that in their professional life, they're going to have to lie. When you couple that with the abysmal trust rankings in most of us PR flack types, how do you deal with that? Do you think that public relations is necessarily unethical, or do you manage to be true to yourself and your set of morals while kicking ass at your job? I think that... PR is a type of profession where you have to be passionate about the work you're doing, and if you have to align yourself with the ethics of the company you're you're representing or the morals, and it has to be a fit um, for the person or product or company that you're you're doing public relations for. And so, um, in terms of ethics, I think if you align yourself with uh, people that, you know, share the same standards and ethical standpoints as you do, you should have absolutely no problem being transparent and fluid within your communications and with within your public relations efforts. Does that make sense? Does cool. that answer your question? A- absolutely. Probably. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I think that um, especially now with the Internet, it is so easy to get caught in a lie, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you just, uh, you know, th- this isn't, you know, this isn't 150 years ago, and there isn't a sucker born at. Well, there may still be a sucker born every minute, but he can read the internet and catch you in your lies. I think you have to find a way to tell the story so it's interesting but truthful. Right. No, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I, transparency is key in every single thing you do. You know. Um, for instance, it's as minute as this. I was working with MSNBC. I'm working with two different MSNBC producers, and yeah, I want to get all the all the broadcast interviews I can get. But I have to tell them, Robert's already he already has an MSNBC interview lined up the next day. Is this too much of an overlap? Is this a conflict? You know, so it's even just being transparent through the little things like that, through the huge crisis problems you know, that your company faces. I am just absolutely a huge believer in transparency and just telling the truth in every way possible. And, you know, there's absolutely right approaches that you can take to telling the truth and wrong approaches, but there's, a, a, a you know, the best approach to everything, and it's really just sitting down and working with your PR team to, you know, tell the story in the best manner possible. Awesome. Well, we are just about out of time. Um, any closing thoughts on this side? No, we're so glad that you could, could join us today, Jen. Uh, I definitely think that you're one of the best in the business, and uh, <laughs> I'm always obsessed with what you come up with. Oh, thank you. I love Round Tag. You guys are my, my biggest fans. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's nice to have a little mutual love going on. Good. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get Joe Tat chatting a little bit more on future episodes. But, Jen, if people want to know more about you or they want to get in touch, how do they find you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jen Ringy, R-A-N-G-Y, or you can shoot me an email at 
jringy at bolsonpr.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you enjoyed today's program, be sure to check back with us next Wednesday. We'll be talking about whale, how to go after the really big sales with Barbara Weaver-Smith and Matt Nettleton. And if you're interested in other information on marketing, networking, social media, and even a little PR, be sure to check our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.